God knows how to minister to his people. And he wants his people to be instructed and informed of his written and revealed word. In other words, how do I take this word, receive it, and apply it in my everyday life? See, practice, I need to be able to practice what I am receiving and carry out what I've learned and comprehended. You're now in tune to the Heaven Bound broadcast with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Villarica, Georgia. Now prepare to be empowered and equipped with the rich word of God. Paul, in this particular letter to the Corinthian church, wanted the saints to know that God is not, notice I said not, the author of confusion. No doubt Paul was observing the church, what they were going through, at a time where there were different points of view being presented that was causing a level of disorder in the church. We're going to take this same uh, chapter, 1 Corinthians 14. We're going to read starting at verse 26 and read down so we get a better understanding of what was happening at this particular time. You notice what it said in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 26. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation? Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or two or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there, excuse me, but if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in church and let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. Verse 30. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. Verse 32. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Paul was describing what was happening in the church and what needed to be happening in the church. He described what was going on and he also told them what needed to happen. He was instructing them on the purpose and the manner that they needed to conduct themselves in God's house. We see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 26. How is it then, brother, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation? And the latter part of that verse, let all things be done for edification. So in the latter part, he says, what is done, what is being carried out, let it be for edification. Let it be for the building up of the church. Let, let it be for that that promotes spiritual growth and development. Let that be for what brings about happiness. And as children of God, we need to be constantly asking ourselves, does my actions as a Christian help to, to church to grow spiritually as well as naturally? When I teach God's word, is it helping others to know Jesus better and grow in the things of God? When I pray, am I building up, am I being, am I building others up along with myself? 
when I sing or lead others in praise and worship? Am I setting in the atmosphere that others can mature and grow in the things of God? Am I, as a minister or leader in God's house, Am I carrying out my auxiliary in a manner that encourages edification, maturity, and unity? We need to ask these questions before, we need to keep these questions before us. And one that I personally always try to ask myself, is this message, is this what I'm doing, is it helping God's people? I just don't want to say something that may, may tickle your ears, but I want to be something that you can take with you at home, at school, at work, and wherever you may go, you can take this word and let it be a part of your everyday life. Kind of like the message last week when it came about peace. You know, peace going to work with you when you go work with people, when you uh, go going shopping, when you're at home. Peace that passes all understanding, allowing that peace to keep our hearts and our minds. And I know one thing, one person that worked for, it works for me. Thank God for peace that passes all understanding. Am I carrying out God's business in his church in a matter that causes me and others to grow as well as unite? I may have an opinion, but does my opinion align with his opinion and the opinion of the house? See, at times, even as believers, our point of view, our opinion, our belief, and our particular attitude or position can be valuable in one sense, but can also be divisive when it goes against the house prophet. In other words, in is my thinking, talking, and actions, are they causing an atmosphere of discouragement, trouble, agitation, and such like, when it could be a sign we'll move from a place of peace to a place of chaos and confusion. That's why Paul is clear and when we're operating by the Spirit of God and the order that, that God wants for his church, there's going to be an atmosphere of instruction, Maturity as well as encouragement. See, the house of God should be a place where we get instruction. We should grow up in the things of God and we should not be confused. One thing I love about God, God loves us enough to instruct us in ways that to me is supernatural. Supernatural in a way that he'll give us instructions about. He'll give you something in the middle of a a sermon, and you know it's talking about you, but nobody else will know it's talking about you. Why? Because that's a rainbow word for your circumstance and your situation. God knows how to minister to his people. And he wants his people to be instructed and informed of his written and revealed word. In other words, how do I take this word, receive it, and apply it in my everyday life? See, practice, I need to be able to practice what I am receiving and carry out what I've learned and comprehend it. And the more I grasp it mentally or comprehend it, what God is saying, it changes the way I think, the way I talk, and the way I conduct my life. When I learn how to love people unconditionally, like God loved his people, it changes the way I think, the way I talk, and the way I act. When I learn how to forgive, it changes the way I think, the way I talk, and the way that I act. It's something that's constantly working on me. And if I'm having a struggle forgiving, I need to constantly hear the word of God so I can get a better understanding so in turn I can forgive others the way Christ wants me to. 
Uh, sometimes you, let, let's be real, sometimes you have struggled with some aspects because of something personally that happened to you. So that's why you need more word to help you with your struggles. At least I do anyway. I need more word to help me with my struggles. If I'm doubting something, I need more word to help build my faith. And it constant, it constant, because life is real, y'all. Life is real. It brings you real problems, but thank God we got a real God with real answers. God wants his people to be instructed. And the more I grasp a hold of it, I know it's going to help my life. Look, we see scriptures like 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 31. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 31. Which reads as follows. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. Notice this, for you all can prophesy one by one. For what reason? That all may learn, that all may understand, and that all may be informed. And all may be encouraged, strengthened, taught, and comforted. It's nothing like missing a word. You know, one thing I remember one time recently, I was listening to a message, and I remember I, I got distracted, and I missed the revelation that came from that word. You know what I had to do? I rewind that thing back and went back and said, hey, I, that's important right there. I need to make sure I hear what God is saying in my life. I can't afford to miss what God is speaking, because man does not live by bread alone, but by Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And let me say this to you, your pastor is no exception from that. I got to live by what God is saying as well. And so I need to make sure I'm learning, I'm, I'm being informed, I'm being strengthened, I'm being taught, and I'm being comforted. That's why ordering God's house helps us. It brings a level of peace. See, our bishop preached the message this past Friday night that we can't be sheep that break rain. He really encouraged us not to break rank when it comes to leadership. In other words, we should not get ahead of the leader, lag behind our leader, nor shall we be disloyal to our God-ordained leader. Paul, in one sense, shared the same or very similar view in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 32. Notice what it says in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 32. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. And the spirits, the divine influence of the prophets are subject. They submit to the control or obey the prophets. See, I believe 14, 1 Corinthians 14 and 32 is a gateway, a gateway or an opening that can be either closed or shut to secure peace in God's house and avoid chaos and confusion. Obedience and being subject to the house prophets are the doors that closes chaos and confusion, but secures God's peace. I thank God we're closing out chaos and confusion. Paul no doubt understood that God's peace will be a source of strength and a support to his church. He also probably knew that God's peace promotes unity. And thank God for, listen, you don't want to be unified with somebody who's not peaceful. You don't want to be unified with somebody who is not peaceful. You don't want to be in the car with somebody who's not peaceful, be honest with you. 
because you can't get away from going 55 miles an hour. You can't run away from them or get away from them. You know, you can't just roll out the car like you Batman or somebody. You got to stay in the car with them folks going 55 miles an hour and they are not peaceful. You do not want to listen. You don't want to be in a car with somebody who's not peaceful. As children of God, we must strive to walk in peace, love, and happiness so we create a safe and supportive atmosphere that others can be saved. See, salvation, again, is deliverance, is protection, and is prosperity. Again, deliverance, protection, and prosperity. And see, everybody needs to be saved. Everybody needs to be saved. Whether you're wounded, hurt, abused, neglected, misunderstood, and such like, or I'll put it like this, there's nothing you think is wrong with you. Everybody still need to be saved, whether you got something going on or not going on. Everybody needs to be saved. Therefore, we need an atmosphere of God's peace so we can truly experience his hand of deliverance and protection. I need a safe and orderly place specifically where I can come to God's house to hear and gain understanding of his word. I can pray. I can worship. I can give and such like. I need his order to help me with my disorder. You know, God's not disorder. We come to him in disorder. But God has a way of getting us in order. Thank God he does. And boy, can you imagine if you had to put your own life in order? how jacked up it would be right now if you had to put your own life in order. And this is what's, what's interesting about it, in my opinion. You can think you got things in order, and then God will let you know you, got, you ain't got nothing in order. Woo, I, I, look, but you've never had, you thought you had everything lined up, and then God will, this one little clock, boom, there it is. And there you go, okay. Okay, God, what you want me to do? I repent for not, doing, not acknowledge you in all your ways, and you directed my path. And then he'll give you something. He will give you order for our disorder. And as a church, we have to be instruments of God's order. Paul wanted the church at Corinth to be at peace and work together to fulfill what? The will of God. First Corinthians 14, 33. For God is not the author of confusion. Not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all the churches of the saints. And I believe that includes us, us here at OCC. For God is not the author, he's not the creator or composer of confusion, of instability, of disorder, a state of being disturbed. But he is the God of peace, of tranquility, of harmony, of security, and prosperity. According to this verse, when I began to see and experience thoughts, conversations, and actions of instability and disorder, it's a red flag that confusion is in the midst, and Jesus is not the source. Mm. Instability. Is unreliability, uncertainty, tendency to have unpredictable behavior. See, disorder comes to disrupt the systems or functionings or something with a purpose of causing a negative disturbance, chaos, and disarray. When we see those thoughts in action in us and around us, we know that God is not the author, the creator, or the originator of confusion. Understand that God will disrupt our thinking in the sense that our thoughts are not his thoughts, though. 
Let's go to Isaiah 55, verse 8 and verse 9. Let me show you this real briefly. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and verse 9. For my faults are not your faults, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my faults than your thoughts. Yet God's disruption will always bring truth. John 14 and verse 6. John 14 and verse 6. God's disruption will always bring truth. And there's a good reason why. And I'll show it here in just a moment. I know you know the scripture, but give me just a moment to turn to it. John 14 and verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, he gives us his Holy Spirit as a guide into truth. We see this over in the book of John, chapter 16 and verse 13. John 16 and verse 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me for he will take, excuse me, take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the father are mine, therefore I said that he will take a mind and declare it to you. Read down to verse 15. When Paul tells the church that God is not the author of confusion, he was telling him God does not recreate an atmosphere or condition of confusion. Just like with John, Jesus told us, I am the truth. I'm the way and the life. Jesus knows and he understands when there is peace. And he understands when there is confusion. Because he said, listen, I didn't create this right here. I did not come up with this right here. So he can be relied, Jesus can be relied on and trusted in every situation and in every circumstance. See, our God is a creative God. He is a creator and originator of many things. He is the composer and the chief leader. Now, according to the Hebrew writer, we see that God is the author of two significant necessities to us as believers. I want to first of all look, look at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. Now, remember we talked about in just a moment that God is the author, author of peace. He's not the author of confusion. So the question is, what did God offer? What did God offer? If he didn't, author confusion, what did he author according to scripture? We find this over in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. The first one, there's two of them here. I want to go over real briefly. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, notice this, the author and finisher of our faith. So notice this, he's the author and the finisher 
of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus is the author. He's the chief leader. He is the pioneer. He is the composer of our faith. So when we trust God and we believe in God, we didn't come up with it. God did. I like the fact that God came up with it because if God came, since God came up with it, you know, it's going to work. And not only that, it's going to work for you. It's going to work for me. It's going to work for our church. It's going to work for every believer in the body of Christ. But not only he's, he's the starter, he is the finisher. The finisher means he's the perfecter, one who completes something. So when God starts your faith, he got a plan to perfect it. That means he's going to make sure it gets better and better and better and better. And you know what? If anybody can perfect your faith, God can. If anybody can complete your faith, God can. Therefore, he'll make sure that you get the right word at the right time. Listen, on Tuesday, you'll get the opportunity to get the right word at the right time. On a Thursday, you may have the opportunity to get the right word at the right time. On a Friday, you're going to hear a sermon. You're going to pick up a Bible verse, and it's going to be the right word for you. Why? Because he's completing your faith. That means you can expect God to do something for you every day, something concerning your faith faith something concerning your faith he's the finisher of our faith and he's he's, he starts it and he finishes jesus know how to start our faith grow our faith and teach us how to hold on to our faith he is the author and the finisher of our faith see god word teaches us about faith the more we hear and apply the word the more that our faith will increase and it will grow so when i hear the word and apply it and it, it's going to help me to grow in it. Let me say this. You probably won't ever understand everything about God because God is too big. But you continue to grow in that. You continue to grow in God, mature in God. And the more you grow and mature, the more you believe God, the more it be opened up to you. Oh, God, this is good right here. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, Lord, I want to taste more of you, God. Listen, I know I had some good food yesterday, but I want to taste you today, God. On a Sunday morning, God, yeah, I know it was good on Friday, but this is good right here, God. I want to taste and see. Oh, I want to show me something. God and God would not disappoint. You ever look? You ever looked at the meal? It looked good, but when you tasted it, it disappointed. Ooh, I've been disappointed before. But one thing about it, God does not disappoint. He does not. God will give you something, and it may not seem like much at the time, but He knows what you need to perfect you. He knows what you need to complete you. He knows what you're gonna need on Tuesday. He knows what you're gonna need on Wednesday of next week. He knows what you're gonna need on Thursday of next week. Next week, so I gotta get you a meal today. Hey, I prepare you a table. He prepares that table. And that table on you has the necessary ingredients that you need for you to be victorious and to be an overcomer. So he does that for us. And you know how faith comes, according to Romans 10 and 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We're going to hear the word and hear the word and hear the word and hear the word and we're going to hear the word of God. Also, too, what's the word? Let's go to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, we'll start at verse 1. John chapter 1 and verse 1. 
What is the word? We say we're hearing the word. Well, let's see what, what the word says, what, what it is, what it is, I should say. John chapter 1, starting at verse 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And and let me read verse 5. And the light shined in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Let me read verse 14. Verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the word put on flesh and dwelt among us, walked among us doing miracles, walked among us doing signs, walked among us healing the sick, walked among us, amen. Oh, God. And one thing I love about God, he's still walking among us now. He's walking among us by the Holy Spirit. He's doing great things in the lives of his people. So we see here that first of all, we say he's the author, right? First thing is he is the author and finisher of our faith. The second thing he's, we want to talk about he's the author of eternal salvation. Eternal salvation. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 9. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 9. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. So we haven't been perfected. He became the author. Now notice what he created here. Eternal salvation. Eternal salvation. Listen, eternal has no beginning and no end. That means that once God, once you are with God, you'll be with him forever. Be with him forever. And I like the fact I'm going to be with him forever. God don't take time off. God doesn't take time off. He's going to be with us forever. Listen, you need a vacation. I need a vacation. But God doesn't need a vacation. God is going to be with you forever. In fact, he'll go with you on vacation. Don't you any good to know God ride with you down to Florida while you're on the beach and putting your, putting your feet my, your toes in the sand. He'll still be with you while you put your toes in the sand. Y- y- God to go with you on vacation. Because I hope you don't leave. Try to leave here in Georgia and then go down to Florida and back. You like you don't know who God is. God, it will be with you twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. And see, with God, salvation come benefits and blessings for us as Christians to enjoy. Seek salvation again is God's deliverance. It's his protection and his prosperity. It also means this. One thing I thought about that it means God's going to keep you. Oh, he'll keep you, y'all. Remember now, we said in his word, he is perfecting us. He is causing us to be better. So in turn, he is a keeper. He knows what you need at that particular time in order to be kept. He's a keeper. He's a keeper. He is a keeper. And see, with God's salvation comes forgiveness from the penalty and condemnation of sin or straying away from the promises of God. Love the fact that God will forgive us. God's salvation preserves us and causes us to prosper despite our past and present situation. See, one thing about God, God can bless us despite the natural situations around us. That's a powerful God right there. 
And see, God's gift of salvation comes to deliver us and rescue us from things that we knowingly and unknowingly get ourselves in. He came to get us out of stuff that we could not get ourselves out of, even though we may have tried time and time again. See, God arrived on the scene in our lives and brought peace, harmony, and calmness to our chaos and disorder. He is a God of order who came to set in order our spiritual and natural life. You remember when God came in again in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. You know what he did? Because there was darkness over the face of the earth. And then he what? Brought order to it. And you know what's powerful about that order? We're still walking in that order today. We're still in that order today. You notice that when the sun come up, it's in order. When the sun go down, it's in order. When the moon go up, it's in order. Listen, I know sometimes you're going to see trees. You'll see trees and plants. They are in order. You know when he said that? Genesis chapter 1. That long, how many years ago? Long time ago. Long time ago. He, listen, I have planted stuff and came back a few weeks later. It was dead. Y'all know God has got to be, he knows what he's doing, y'all. He has planted stuff thousands of years ago and it's still working today. You know that's a powerful God, y'all. He knows what, listen, if God can do that, you know he can put order in your life. If God can put order in the universe and it's still in order today, you know he can put order in your life on a daily basis if you allow him. If you allow him. He ain't going to force order. I mean, he ain't going to force come to your house tonight. Well, come on, you know you need to get in order. Nah, God, I got it. Okay, okay. You can have it. And he'll let you have it too. He'll let you have it. And he knows that what stuff is out of order. You can't trick God trying to close off them doors back there in the back. God knows where everything in your house is. He knows where everything is. So you know if God can order the universe, he can take care of your house, can he? Did he not make the material for your house? Did he not make the things in your house? God can keep order in our house. But he will not force himself in our house. He ain't going to force himself. He went out for he didn't we we need God more we need God more than anything so he ain't got to force himself. Now he's a God of order who comes to set order in our spiritual as well as our natural lives. It's up to us to allow him to create peace in the midst of our situation. Again, fourteen thirty three, First Corinthians fourteen thirty three. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. We see in this text, God commands and instructs us to have peace in all the churches of the saints. Peace is for all the churches, including us here at OCC. We must endeavor to strive to create an atmosphere of safety, harmony, and unity so people like Nicodemus can come and ask questions about being born again. Women like the woman with the issue of blood can come in faith with all her issues and be healed. People like Lazarus come to God's house and experience his resurrection power that Jesus can raise him from the dead. Just like he raised him out of the dead situation or trespassing sin, he can raise us out of anything that we get ourselves into. Therefore, we can come. We need an atmosphere. When we come into God's house. We get the answers that we're looking for. We get the deliverance that we need. One thing about God, God knows each one of us one by one, even though we're in a corporate setting. 
Even though we are being a Christ-minded church, he knows each one of us, so he's going to create an atmosphere so you can get what you need when you come into the house of God. Did he not say, I'm going to supply every one of your needs according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus? He knows what you need. Listen, you can sit here and look at me and say amen, but he knows what's on your mind right now. He knows what you're thinking about right now. He knows what you got to deal with next week. So say, hey, I need to give Dawes some answers. He needs strength for Tuesday afternoon. He needs wisdom for a Wednesday morning. He needs this, that, and the other. Because why? He knows what you need. So he said, hey, I got to give Dobbs something to feed the sheep knowledge and understanding. So in turn, they will know how to answer. They'll need answer. They'll need deliverance. They'll need strength. They'll need power. Whatever it is you need, we know God got it. He know God got it. Somebody say God got it. Woo. Hallelujah. He got it. He got it. He got it. He got it. He will not disappoint. He will not fail. And see, that's why God's, when God's peace is in his house, in our house, miracles, signs, and wonders can take place. And one thing about God, let me say this to you. I want you to understand this clearly. A miracle can take place and you may not even know about it. A miracle can take place and you may not even know about it. Listen, somebody beside you can experience a miracle and they it may not even tell you. Sometimes they may not even know it yet because that's who the God we serve. I told y'all before, sometimes we're waiting for symptoms to show up before we say we've been healed. When God said, I've been healing you, that's why no symptoms showed up. Oh, y'all got to go with me. Got to go with me now. You got to go with me now. See, sometimes the symptoms don't show up because God has already healed you before we do. And if it do get past that point where you do see a symptom, thank God that by his stripes, you're already healed. That sickness and disease has no place in your body. And do you know that God is a defense? He will take stuff and cause it not to bother you anyway. There's some stuff tried to come your way, but God said, "Mm, you can't come. You can't get that one. Mm -mm. You know, there's some bills could have came your way, but God said, no, no. They figured it out before they sent it to you. Yep, you got to get that. They figured it out. They said, hey, no, they don't owe that. Let's just mark that off right now. Let them mark that off. Let them mark that off. Oh, let, let's send that one. Oh, he already said, I supplied the need according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. See, he already undid. He knows what you got coming your way. Therefore, you go to the car place and you think, well, oh, this only thing wrong with your car. No, really four or five more things. God just had to fix that before he got to the mechanic. Then with the stuff you do fix, he's going to make sure you got the money to pay for it. Isn't it good to know you got money to pay for stuff? Thank you. I got need five, amen. I need ten, amen. It, it's good to have money to pay for stuff, y'all. I'm not going to lie to you. Woo! Thank you, Lord, for giving the money to pay for stuff. And that's peaceful. You ain't stressing out about what am I going to, how am I going to pay this? And how am I going to do this? And, and sometimes we go through momentary lapses. Oh, okay, God. And then God reminds us, I'm going to supply the need. I'm going to supply the need. What you worried for? Why don't you cast your cares upon me before I care for you? Why are you, why are you stressing out of this stuff right here? And, and, and look, can, can I be real with y'all? Dobbs has been guilty. Dobbs has been guilty. I'm talking about Pastor Dobbs, Richard Dobbs, Richard Dion's little Dobbs. He has been guilty. But God reminded me, I'm going to supply the need. Even if you think you got it, you better acknowledge him in all your ways. So in turn, he'll direct your path. Don't run there all arrogant and stuff. I got some money and savings and all that. You know, it don't take but one incident to knock all the savings out. No, y'all know that, right? You better know who he is, boy. You better know who he is. <laughs> 
So it's peace. That's peaceful, y'all. That's peaceful. That's a natural example of peace. That's why we got John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. See, peace is security, it's safety, it's prosperity, it's tranquility. When you got all that going for you, well, first of all, let me say this to you. I like the fact he left it with us. It it remained with us. I was thinking about this from this standpoint. He didn't need peace in heaven. He'd already kicked out the devil. He didn't need it in heaven, so he said, I'm going to leave with y'all. I said, well, God, thank you. I said, I receive it. I receive it. I receive it. I receive it. The second clause of John 14, 27, my peace I give to you. Notice this. He's going to give us or let us have or supply to us peace. Not just any peace, but his peace. His peace. I want God's peace. I, you may have a form of peace, but I, I, I figure God's peace can handle anything. Literally anything. I mean, you can name it. God's peace can handle it. Can handle it. That's why he tells me the latter part of that text. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't be agitated. Don't be perplexed. Don't be uh, anxious. Neither let it be afraid. Jesus states my peace safety and security and prosperity, I'm leaving it with you. I'm leaving it with you. I'm, so whatever that equates in your life, he says, I've left that to you. Now, one thing we got to be careful about is thinking we got this on our own. I think it came from another source. You better know who it came from. And thank him each and every day. Each day, you thank him for his peace. His peace. In fact, I'm going, to, I'm going to leave it to you. I'm going to release it to you so it will remain with you. He, clears, he clarifies something by saying this, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Now, there is a world peace. We see that, but it's pseudo. It's false and so forth. He goes on to say, the peace I, I have will not cause your heart to be troubled or agitated. It also will cause you not to be fearful. See, God's peace has super on it. His peace has divine influence. It supersedes man's type of peace. Even in the midst of instability and disorder, God's peace has a way of keeping us. You know, I thought about this when Jesus was on that boat and that boat and that boat was rocking and reeling because there was a storm coming. But Jesus on that boat, sleep, sleep. He had peace, y'all. He had peace. I'm talking about peace because they were like, hey, somebody, do something, y'all. Do something. And sometimes we get a situation and all we're talking about, do something. Do something. Do something. Do something. Let me tell you what you need to do. Go wake up Jesus. (laughs) Don't wake me up. Go wake up Jesus because he's the one. Now, he's going to tell you something. He's going to say, hey, why can you speak to the storm and tell it to peace be still? But Jesus is a God that got Peace is more powerful than the storms that may try to rise up in your life. Understand it. It's more powerful. It's more powerful. Peace. He said, peace, be still. Ooh-wee. That's powerful right there. I don't know if you've ever been in a storm before. I've looked at the storm and made me want to jump back in the house. He said, peace, be still. And that's that storm. Now, notice the disciples had, excuse me, Peter and them had been on a on, a, um, on water before, and they experienced storms. 
And you know, they experienced storm and they saw, saw this storm and they were unstable. You know, this had to be a real storm. But you notice when Pete, Pete, Jesus got up, hey, the storm didn't even bother him. Didn't even bother him. And let me say this to you. Whatever come up in your life, it don't bother Jesus. It don't bother Jesus. Now, I'll be honest with you, I'd rather be rebuked by Jesus and survive the storm than sit there and go and, and just <laughs> rebuke me, Jesus. I'm sorry about waking you up, Jesus. <laughs> Woo, that's just me. You may not go that route, but I know this. The storm will still, though. The storm will still. The storm will still. And let me say this to you. There's some storms may rise up in your life right now. I always remember, Jesus got power over the storms. Even in the midst of instability and disorder, God's peace has a way of keeping us. People can, people can get to thinking and acting in unpredictable ways, but God's peace will keep us. I thank God that I serve the author of peace. Peace. Paul spoke to the church in Philippi in Philippians 4 and verse 7. Philippians 4 and 7. Kind of interesting note that Paul continues to remind God's people in the Corinthian church as well as the church of Philippi about God's peace. Philippians 4 and 7 says this, and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus and the peace Peace, this peace, you're exempt from rage and havoc. Havoc. You got harmony and safety. But notice where it comes from. It comes from God. Always remember, real peace comes from God. It's not from us. It comes from God. Which, pass, which surpasses all our understanding, our faults, our desires, and our purpose. Will guard or keep or protect our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. No, notice this. This peace from God has power cannot, that cannot be explained with natural words or natural thinking. Because it surpasses all our understanding, all our thoughts, desires, and our purpose. But notice this peace, though. It's so powerful, it's going to guard or keep or protect our heart and our mind. Our heart and our mind. One thing I thought about, our hearts and minds need protecting. They need protecting. And the best way to protect, according to the text, is through the peace of God. So I want God's peace to protect my heart and my mind. I have to seek and embrace God's peace because it's the very power that's keeping me despite what I see on the news, deal with at school, put up with at work, and tolerate from my family. Let me read them to you again just in case I want to ring a bell to you. I have to speak and embrace God's peace because it's the very power that will keep me despite what I see on the news, deal with at school, pick up, excuse me, put up with at work and tolerate from my family. Whatever you got to deal with, God's peace is more powerful than that. If you find yourself bowing down to the circumstance around you, you're not relying on God's peace. If you find yourself dealing with whatever I, this or whatever you're dealing with, and you find yourself, why am I losing my peace over this right here? Y'all check and say, oh, you know, I'm not operating God's peace. I'm not operating God's peace. I'm operating in my flesh. I'm taking the worldly way around it. I've got to do what God tells me to do. See, God's peace will keep us even when church folk act a little funny. I had to put up, I had to make up my mind. I'm not going to let anyone take away my peace that comes from God. 
God has promised to keep me in perfect peace, even though, but I got to fight to maintain it. Got to fight to maintain it. Let's go to Isaiah 26 and verse 3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Notice what Isaiah says. You will keep him in perfect, complete, sound, and solid peace whose mind, this is my job, I got to keep it stayed on Jesus. I got to keep it stayed on Jesus. Why? Because I trust him. I trust him. I'm confident in him. I feel safe in him. I feel secure in him. Now, this is what you need to understand. Your outside circumstance may not change, but you inwardly do. You trust God in what you're dealing with. You trust God in what you're dealing with. I've got to trust God. I must believe in what he said in his word. One of my greatest weapons to fight with is keeping my mind on Jesus. That's one of my greatest weapons to fight with. And you ever notice that many times that the enemy is after your mind. He's after your mind. Because he realized if you can get your mind, he got you. He got you. The way you think, the way you talk, and the way you conduct your life. If I got his mind or got her mind, I got them. And if he got your mind, he'll get you to start doing things that are contrary to the will of God. Therefore, I need to keep my mind on Jesus. And therefore, I start to act more like him, think more like him, and, and conduct my life more like him. And therefore, I'll make better decisions. I have tranquility. I got security and safety because I'm trusting in Jesus. I'm trusting in Jesus in my finances. I'm trusting in Jesus in my relationships. I'm trusting in Jesus in my school. I'm trusting in Jesus in every aspect of my life. You will keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on you because you trust in him. See, my trust, my Peace is complete and solid as long as my mind is staying on Jesus. I conclude that when I keep my mind on Jesus, I begin to realize that Jesus is more powerful than anything I will face on earth. And you got to keep that in your mind. And let me say this to you. And don't let a momentary lapse cause you to stay there. Repent and say, okay, hold on. This ain't bigger than God. This ain't bigger than God. The doctor can tell you something. It ain't bigger than God. Your finance can tell you something, but it ain't bigger than God. Listen, your body can tell you stuff, but it ain't bigger than God, y'all. Whatever it is, always remember it is not bigger than God. Therefore, I need to keep my mind on Jesus. There's no attitude, no sickness, no jealousy, no anger problem that God cannot handle as well as conquer. I have to continue to build and strengthen my faith in his written and revealed word so that I can retrust in Jesus to keep me when situations seem as though they're getting the best of me. Because why? He is the author of peace. And that's what I'm relying on. I'm relying on God to give me peace in the middle of whatever I'm dealing with. Listen, it's calm. I still want God's peace. Listen, stuff going chaotic. I still want God's peace. I'm sitting there watching TV with, with the blinds closed and the movie good. I still want God's peace. Because, you know, you'll be watching TV and not even hear nothing they're saying. Because your mind is in turmoil. Y'all missed that. I, I, two or three, you know what I'm talking about? 
I mean, you, your mind, you can be sitting there talking to somebody calm as you want, eating the meal, missing the meal, missing that savory meal because your mind is not on your mind on something else and not experiencing God's peace. Understand, he is the author of peace. That means that he has tranquility, he has safety, he has security, he has prosperity for each and every one of you. Because remember what he said in 1 Corinthians 14 and 33. For all, let me read, let me read to you. I don't want to just quote it and misquote it. Hold on one second here. Let me flip back to it. God's the author of, God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Of all the churches. And let me say this to you. I believe I can take liberty and say that includes us here at OCC. Overcomers Christian Center. Thank you, Father, for your peace. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's message. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your prayer requests and testimonies to our website at OCCVR.org. That's OCCVR.org. We would like to invite you to partner with us as we share the gospel all around the world. Just go to our website at OCCVR.org. Click on the Give button to give online. Or you can utilize text to give Text GIVE to the number 770-692-2225. That's 770-692-2225. Join us on our YouTube channel, subscribe to our podcast, and connect with us on social media. We also invite you to join us in a live service. We're located at 3097 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia. Visit our website for more details at OCCVR.org. Until next time, remember, without a vision, the people perish. See you next time for more Heaven Bound with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Villarica, Georgia.